Take your Bibles, if you would, please turn to two different passages. Uh, first of all, we're, most of where we'll be looking at is Ephesians chapter 4. We'll continue looking through that chapter. And then once you found that, stick your finger there, and then turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> and first let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. God's Word says, From whom, it's talking about Christ, the whole body fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And let's go over now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'd like for us to start reading in verse 4. And the Lord here is teaching us how that he has put the body of Christ together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh the one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many or one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members and yet but one body. Now I know that passage has an awful lot of questions a person could ask. Uh, but uh, we could be, the main emphasis I want us to think about is how God is describing how he has put together the body of Christ and each member has its own particular function. And, uh, and some of the things that are mentioned there, let me just say this uh, to begin with to get your, ease your mind about it. We're talking about to, to uh, some given the, uh, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Uh, that is scriptural. But that we understand that what that is, is those were temporary gifts given in the first century to help get the church started. And then after the church got started, those spiritual gifts were done away with. And uh, there are other spiritual gifts. But what I want us to do now is go back to Ephesians chapter 4. And as we look at verse 16, what I want us to consider tonight is how God has a purpose and plan through the church. A lot of people say, well, I don't need the church. Well, then what you're saying, God doesn't know what he's doing. Because God is the one who put Jesus Christ at the head of the church. 
And he established, yes, the local church, because when you read through the book of Acts, it's always referring, almost 99% of the time, was referring to local churches. And also when you read the, a lot of the Pauline epistles, the, uh, they were, of course, you, you know, when I say epistle, you know what that means. That means a book written by Paul. Uh, I want to be sure you understand that because there's one uh, person that one time was trying to understand. They thought epistles were the wives of the apostles. Okay, uh, but that's, that's not the way it works. Uh, but anyhow, so the, the, they were all written, most of them were written to local churches. So we cannot ignore the fact, the reality, that God in his sovereign wisdom established, yes, the universal church, but also the concept of the local church. And Ephesians 4.16 kind of gives us more detail about that, how it's supposed to function. And we need to remember that. You know, as of the years that I've been a pastor, I've gone to a few seminars where basically the main theme was, come to our seminar and we'll show you how to increase the membership of your church and how to build your church up. And they had their different ideas and all things like that. And if you do this or if you do that, um, the, your church will grow. And I consider it had some good insight to some things. But the best guideline for building up a church is the Word of God. And that's what we're going to see in this verse right here. The Word of God is the basic best plan we could ever have for building up a church the way that God wants it. The way that will honor God and Jesus Christ. See, there are a lot of churches out there that are more concerned about being what we call, what they call, seeker-friendly. And I know that some of you may have written like the Purpose Driven Church and where they say, well, if you want to build your church up, here's what you do. You go out into the community and you ask the community what they would like in a church. That's not the way you build God's church, asking the lost world how to build a church. And they teach the idea, you know, you know, get rid of the old Bible, get rid of the old hymns if you have to, get rid of the old people, the old setting their ways, of, you know, old fogies. You know, get rid of those things and then bring in what the, you know, bring in the, the band and, and bring in, uh, you know, uh, worship leaders. Uh, that's what they call them because, and things like that. And it's all really built based upon appealing to the flesh. And that's not building a church that honors God. Yes, they grow. They numerically, they blossom. And they're kind of like what I think a, a good illustration of those type of churches. It's like a mushroom. And for those of you that know me, you know what I'm saying. I hate mushrooms. All right, But what do mushrooms do? They grow up real quickly, but they can topple over real easily. And that's the way a lot of these churches are. And so let's look into Ephesians 4 verse 16. And we're going to break it down to about seven different phrases within this verse of biblical principles that God wants us to put to practice and follow in order to build or maintain a church that honors God. And the first thing in life for us to consider is notice this says, from whom the whole body, the whole body. Now, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's talking about how the body has hands, has eyes, has ears, has a nose, has feet, has arms, and, and on the inside it's got a heart, it's got a stomach, it's got intestines, and all those things. And all that makes together, put together makes one very well-functioning body. And each part of the body is important. 
Each part of the body is important. Some people may think, and some of you might even think, I hope not, may think, well, I I don't do anything. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I can't teach. Uh, You know, there's not much I can do, so I'm not that valuable to the church. That is a lie from the devil. Some people are just pure blessings and encouragements by faithfully attending church services. And just having a, a, a glow of being yielded to the Spirit of God. So it says the whole body, meaning every part of the body is important in the eyes of God. I mean, because you think about it even like, again, using the parallel the Lord did in 1 Corinthians 12. You think of the human body. You ever tried to button your shirt without your thumb? Just one little appendage, a thumb. You try. Try to button your shirt without using your thumb. One little little thing. But how important that one little thing is for the body. Well, that's what the Lord is saying, sir, from whom the whole body, and he emphasized the whole body is important to the ministry of God's work. Every person is important. So be encouraged. You have a place. You have a part in God's work. Even if it's the most simple things, which you may think is simple, but it's still extremely important necessary and important the whole body but then let's look at the next phrase fitly joined together fitly joined together now what he's referring to i believe he's talking about here as we go back to first corinthians chapter 12 it talks about there in um, verse 18 i believe it is but now hath god set the members every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him what god is saying there is look God places each and every one of us in the body of Christ with our capabilities, our, our gifts, in order to make the, the body function properly. It's just like the way he made our human body. I mean, God, what does it say in Psalm 139? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, the human body is an amazing thing. I mean, anybody that could even halfway begin to think to believe in evolution that the human body happened by chance is out of their mind because we are fearfully and wonderfully made the way God put it together just right. I mean, your fingers are the right length. Can you imagine what it would be like if your middle finger was three feet long? Okay, I I guess you could scratch your back that way, couldn't you? Uh, But you think about it. God put this body, the physical body together just right. So it can be properly function. He does the same thing in the body of Christ in the local church. He puts us together as it pleases him. You know, what we're, what we're learning, what we see from that is that God didn't make everybody to be the preacher. If everybody was the preacher, who would the preacher preach to? Not everybody can play the instrument. If everybody played the instrument, who's going to do the singing? Not everybody's good at working in the nursery. Not everybody's good at teaching teens. Not everybody enjoys driving a bus. But God does put in the body, puts it together, all those different people that have their, give, their capabilities and abilities to where it becomes a well-functioning body of Christ. Fitly joined together is what he said. It's put together just right. You know, God's a, he's an awesome God. He's, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows how to do it. And so, therefore, fitly joined together. 
And then it says, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. The Lord has reminded us here that every single member of the body contributes to the functioning of the body. I mean, we could go through all the details of what different people, how what they do provides supplies for the needs of the church. We have a pastor. We have instrumentalists. We have people that sing. We have nursery directors and nursery uh, workers. We have Sunday school teachers. We have people that clean the auditorium, people that clean the kitchen, people that clean the different parts of the body. We have people that mow the grass and blow off all the leaves and, and uh, keep the building looking good. We have people that take care of the financial picture. We have people that, that take care of like doing the bulletin and stuff like that. What is that? Each person supplying their part to make the body function properly just like the human body, the parallel there. So again, again, it says, compacted by that which every joint supplieth. You know, that's one reason it's important to be faithful to church. Because see, when you're not being part of the church, and I'm not talking about those that physically cannot be here or maybe work, definitely conflicts, but, but when you're able to be here, when you're not here, when you could be here, the body is lacking. <clears throat> the body is lacking what you supply to the body. <clears throat> and so it's important. Your faithfulness is extremely important for the body of Christ to function properly. Take that as an admonition from the Lord. Your faithfulness is of utmost importance. I hate ties too. <clears throat> <laughs> thus, thus saith the guy without a tie also <laughs> you supply your part and it's important again even if it's just you're faithful to sit in your seat every service doing your part is extremely important you are hurting the church when you're not here to <clears throat> supply your calling, what God has gifted you to do for the local church. That's so important to understand. I mean, because again, if a thumb, you don't have a thumb, you try to button your shirt. Just one little thing. You say, well, I'm not that important. If you're a child of God, you are important to the function of the work of Christ. Period. Exclamation point. But let's go on to the next phrase we see here. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Now basically what he's saying there is according to the effectual working. Meaning as you and I fulfill our, 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 our gifts and our part that we supply to the functioning of the church. Are we being effectual? I mean are we, are we being, doing it in a way that it has a, a result? Is it empowered by the Holy Spirit? Is it effectual? Does it have an effect of what you are supplying to the church? Now, when he's talking about being effectual, there's some things that kind of hinder us when we're, that we don't have an effect upon the body of Christ as we should. And one of those things is sin. 
sin will hinder you and I from being effective in our ministry for the Lord. That's one thing that, that's another thing that a lot of these, what they call the emergent church, don't preach against sin. Well, I've got news for you. If you're going to preach the Bible, you're going to be preaching a lot about sin because it deals with it. We need to remember not only, we're talking even as, law, as saved people, we still have to deal with sin in our lives. I mean, you think again, you read the Apolline epistles, how much he condemns sin. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, Paul writes down, flee fornication. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor be put away with evil speaking. He's talking to Christians there. Do Christians do those things? Sure we do. And it's sin. And if we want to have a positive impact in whatever ministry we may have, we must constantly be on guard of sin in our own heart and lives. And as, we, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us and, and reminds us of what we have done or doing is sin, we need to run to the Lord in confession of our sin and genuine repentance. God wants to use a clean vessel. That's so extremely important in the body of Christ. But it's not only for the benefit of the body of Christ, it's also a benefit for ourselves. If we want to have a close, intimate relationship with our Father, we must deal with sin regularly. Don't be like the person that goes to bed at night and says, well, Lord, if I've committed any sin today, forgive me. If I've committed any sins, I really believe that if a person is genuinely trying to please the Lord, he's going to be in tune to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, he's going to hone right in and say, hey, you know what you said to your wife earlier today, the way you said that? You need to repent of that, buddy. You remember when you told that little white lie? You need to repent of that, buddy. You know when you looked and you had that lustful thought? You need to repent of that. You know when you got mad and angry at that fellow, that driver that pulled you off, and you were hanging on the horn and said, you idiot! I've got a friend that does that quite often. It never fails. I'll be on the phone. I know I've told you this, but I just laugh every time I think about it. He'll be driving along, and he's a preacher. And uh, somebody will cut him off, and he'll say, that's what he'll do. You idiot! And I said, Dave, now just calm down. But but you think about it. Road rage, anger, sin needs to be dealt with. Bitterness. You know what people can cause hurt. And bitterness is a sin. You can be hurt by somebody. It could be your spouse, your child, co-worker, somebody in the church. Remember hearing that song, Excuses? Well, he says, he didn't even shake my hand. You know, you get upset about little things like that. That's the way the devil works. And we can get bitter, and that bitterness will have a negative effect upon our effectiveness in the body of Christ. So number one, be clean. It reminds me also in 2 Timothy, where the Lord, he's right there to Timothy, and he gives this exhortation. He said, uh, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure having the seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and then notices, and... Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but of wood all in earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge, and the word purge there means to cleanse, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet, or qualified for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Again, Paul is writing that to another preacher. And he's exhorting every person that names the name of Christ, when there's sin in the life, purge it out. Get rid of it. And when you and I do, then we, are, we can be used in God's service to be clean. And then another part of being effective is be surrendered. Be surrendered. We need to, when we sing that song, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, we kind of mentally need to draw a circle, step in that circle and say, Lord, that you, may you have your way with me totally. Totally. We need to be surrendered to the Lord's work. Whatever God gives us the opportunity to do. And do it with our whole heart. Like Paul admonished in Colossians chapter 3, what you ever do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Do the best you can for God's glory. Don't do it to impress the preacher. Don't do it to impress the other church members or your co-workers. The focus needs to be, Lord, I'm doing this. I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to do it to please you. When we do that, we are truly being effectual and having a positive effect within the body of Christ. So it's according to the effectual work and the measure of every part, and then here's one thing, the one part that's interesting of blessing. It says, maketh increase of the body. Maketh increase of the body. Now, some people, I'm sure, would say, well, that means if we're, if we're doing all these other things, the church is really going to grow numerically. It may. It may not. And I'll be honest with you, my personal perspective here is that the more a church stands for the pure word of God, fewer people are going to be interested in that church. But we have to stay faithful and true to thus saith the Lord. We're not here to please man, we're here to please God. And so when it talks about increasing the body, God may bless, because there are people that truly hunger for the truth of God's word. I mean, I'm so thankful. It's such a blessing. I mean, how the, our church, I mean, we, we, do, we do see more people coming in because they're hungry for the Word of God. Because there are so few churches out there that are giving it out. And so people are going about looking at this church and this church and this church. I mean, I just heard today about, about uh, a church that was that way. They, they're more concerned about the numbers than they are about pre- preaching the Word of God. And so there are people out there that are hungry for the Word of God. And let us continue to be a church that feeds the word of God to the people that come and hear it. But you know, there's another way we can increase. Spiritually. Maturity. We don't want to be a church full of Christian babies. Now, Christian babies are nice to have around. And what I'm referring to, you know, I'm referring to somebody that's young in Christ. Yeah, not young in years, but young as far, as far as how long they've been saved. I mean, how would you like to be in a nursery, with, you know, with 40 babies? That'd be enough to drive a person out of their mind. 
But God wants us to grow spiritually. Don't make it where, the, the, like the one pre, some preachers were talking one time and said, I really love pastoring, but except for the people. Yeah, people can be a challenge. But that's one reason we need to be growing in the Lord. So that we're not a bunch of whiny babies, but mature Christians that God can do something with. And that's why he's talking about if we put all these principles to practice, we'll make an increase of the body. And then notice the next phrase. Unto the edifying of itself. And what does it mean to be edified? That means to be built up. That means to be encouraged. That means to be strengthened. And oh, how we need to be strengthened in the Lord. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, as the saying is. But as far as biblical Christianity, on the horizon, it's going to start costing us something. It's going to start costing us something. And I'm not necessarily saying financially, but yet it could be. It could be that the IRS could say, well, if you don't change your constitution to allow homosexuals to be part of your church, we're going to, start, we're going to take away your tax exemption, and there goes a lot of money paying our taxes. And if that's what we have to do in order to stay true to God's word, then let us do it. It could cost us our friends. Could cost us our reputation in the sense like, oh, there goes those religious fanatics. They go to church even on Wednesday nights. What's wrong with those people? <clears throat> but as the world gets darker, it's going to cost us more. And so we need to be edified. We need to be built up and strengthened in our walk with God. And how do we do that? One way we do that by eating the right food. We need the Word of God from the pulpit. We need the Word of God in Sunday school. We need the Word of God at home by ourselves. That it may build us up, strengthen us, so that we may be strong children. Because just like you read there in 1 John where the Apostle John was writing and he's talking about, I talk to you young men. And then he talked about, I talk to you children. In other words, he's talking about different levels of spiritual maturity. But it grows up to the young men because you have overcome Satan. How they, why? Because they've been edified. They've been built up, strengthened in their walk with the Lord. Know how that's what we need. And so if the church is functioning the way God intends for it to function with every member doing his or her part, edifying itself, and then notice the last phrase, in love. And we always like to talk about love, don't we? We always like the, you know, the, well, I was going to say the Hallmark movies, but since they're bringing so many homosexual couples in that, I don't like it anymore. Uh, but we always like the lovey-dovey stuff. We like to talk about love. And you know why? Because it's a positive thing. We all need love. We need love from our spouse. We need love from our children. We need love from our friends. We need the love of God. 
To be loved means we have value. To be loved means we're important to someone. And where would we be without love? And the Bible's saying here, if we function as a church the way we ought, we'll edify ourselves in love. You know, I think of just like I said, going back to 2 Corinthians, I want to look at two, more, two or three more verses. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, God's word says this. He's talking about the body functioning properly. And he says that there should be no schism in the body. But the members should have the same care one for another. You go back and read some more verses there in 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about when one member hurts, it affects the whole body. You know what it's like. You know, guys, you know what it's like. You're trying to build something and that hammer, you hit, you hit the wrong nail. I mean, you smash it. Well, let me, does that affect just your thumbnail? I mean, your whole body gets it. Oh, you know, your whole body gets into it. When one member's hurt, the whole body hurts. We ought to hurt when somebody we know in our church finds out they got cancer. We should hurt when somebody realizes they're having a problem with a wayward son or daughter. We should hurt when somebody is having financial troubles. Because when one member hurts, the whole body should hurt. And that's what the body should function as. And what is that? That's biblical love. Caring one for another. And when a church is properly functioning, the way God intends it to be, you will find love. What did Jesus say in John 13, 35? So shall the world know you're my disciples if you have a steeple on the roof. So shall the world know you're my disciples if you wear a tie and suit Sunday morning. No. So shall the world know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And you know, love is not easy. If you've been married over five years, you realize love isn't easy. But it's sure worth it. And what is love? Love is not just a feeling. Now, there is a certain component of emotion to love. You have that warm, fuzzy feeling, she loves me, you know, all right? But love, when you read it in the Bible, most of the time it is referring to an action, a commitment, a deliberate choice of giving of yourself. What does John 3, 16 say? For God so loved the world, he did what? He gave. That's what love does. And a church that is functioning properly in a way that honors God is a church that is loving its members, each and every member the member that is easy to love, that's charming and nice and sweet and smiling all the time, but also loves that person that looks a little grumpy coming into church, won't talk to anybody, kind of has a sour, <coughs> sour attitude, but loving that person too. That's what love does. But you know what else love does? Going to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. It says, Rejoiceth not in iniquity, because we know that's called the quote love chapter. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Biblical love 
rejoices in the truth of God's word, but it does not rejoice about sin. There are so many churches. I mean, I know of one church that not too far from here. Their song leader was living with a woman. And that was fine with them. But God's word says you don't rejoice in iniquity. You deal with it. I mean, you think about it. As a parent raising children, isn't it of utmost importance that you teach a child when they do wrong, you deal with it and teach them that's not the way you're going to live? Well, it's the same thing within a church. When one of the members has sin in their life, we as God's people should work to pray for them and encourage them to seek God's forgiveness and repentance. So, well, then you shouldn't be judging. We're not, what the, you know, a lot of people like to quote that, judge not that you be judged. But they forget where also Christ said, judge righteous judgment. What's righteous judgment? Judging a person in the light of this book right here. If God calls it sin, we're not judging them. God's the one that said it. And we as God's people, like it teaches in Colossians chapter 6, if a brethren be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual seek to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That's part of a properly functioning body of Christ. Because notice it closed there, it says, under the edifying itself in love. We need to love one another. And when we're functioning the way God wants us to, there will be that. And oh, how that's one, and that could be such a drawing card to people. But I'll tell you one thing about that church they are warm, receptive, encouraging, positive, loving people. That's hard to reject about a church. It's like, now I like that church. They preach the truth, but man, I'm telling you, they sure love people too. And that's the balance God wants us to have. Speak, because go look back at, going back to Ephesians 4, verse 15, the verse right before 16. Speaking the truth in love. That's God's way, folks. I mean, John 3, 16 bears that out. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then it says, whosoever shall believe with him shall what? Not perish. What's that? That's truth. No matter how much God loves us, the world, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to hell. God proved His love, but His holiness still demands that sin be dealt with. That's the balance God wants us to have. Be loving, but be truthful. And so, let it be our prayer. God, do a work in our church that each member will do his, her part to the glory of God, yielded, clean. Let us be grounded in the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit love people through us. And God will be honored and pleased. We may not grow beyond what we are now, but that's okay. Because if we're honoring God, pleasing God, that is all that. And Lord, we pray that you take these truths and drive them deep into our hearts. May you do a work <coughs> in our midst. 
that Anchor Baptist Church will be known for truly a church of God. And in Christ's name we ask it. Amen.